Um, we'll just pray about that. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that, that you're a father. Thank you, Father, that you, you come and, and made yourself known to us so that uh, we could um, have our innocence restored and that we could uh, become as little children again, living in the world free from all the cares that are in the world and uh, that we could just enjoy our lives um, knowing that uh, you've taken thought to care for us and that we could just live our lives in the world being conscious of uh, the provision you've given us in Jesus and um, that we could just love, love your life. Amen. Glory to God. We're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 18, um, famous verses. Verse 1 uh, begins with, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> oh, and Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the, the kingdom of heaven. You know, the way a child humbles themselves is they, uh, they're not looking to their own ability to care for their life. They're submitted unto the hand of someone else that cares for their life. Their mind isn't filled with the own their, the, the caring of their own life, but their mind is filled with the care that someone else has taken over their life. That's how they're humbled. Um, and you know what's interesting? It says that they, the disciples came to Jesus wanting to know who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, if you go and read in Luke 9, what ensued before them coming to Jesus and asking him that is they were all arguing about which one of them would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> A controversy ensued about which one would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so that's the foundation from where they come asking Jesus, which one is going to be, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because their minds are busy thinking of that. And so the, the disciples, I mean, the only reason why you're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, um, really the only reason why you're arguing about anything like that is if your mind is filled with uh, the cares that pertain to the life that's born from this world, right? That's the only reason why you're, you're even thinking that way. Your mind is filled with the cares that come along with the life that's born from this world. That's what you're thinking of. And listen, the cares of this world are a stumbling block to becoming as little children. Do you realize that? I mean, and really, the, when we talk about little children that encounter things in life that they should have never encountered at that age, the first thing we say is their childhood was stolen from them, right? And so the moment a child is carrying the burden of the cares of their own life, their childhood, their childhood is stolen. Their innocence has, is stolen. I don't want to say lost because the Lord God can restore anyone's innocence. But the cares of this world are a big stumbling block to living as a little children. And Jesus just now come and said that unless you become as little children, you're not going to experience the kingdom of heaven. He's not, and Jesus isn't just talking about, um, well, I'll, I'll, in, I'll have eternal life one day. 
you could tie that up into that. But when you look at that word, enter the kingdom of heaven, it's also talking about what he said, the kingdom of heaven is experienced on the inside. The kingdom of heaven is found on the inside. So he's also talking about the fruit of God's life that you would experience. And so, listen, one of the biggest stumbling blocks to you experiencing the fruit of the Spirit is the cares of this world. Because the cares of this world are a stumbling block to you living as a little child. And Jesus come and said, unless you become as a little child, unless you're humble as this little child, what that means is, unless your mind become filled with the care or the thought that God has taken to care for your life, unless your conscience be cleansed from you all the time taking thought of caring for your own life, you ain't going to experience the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to experience the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, you ain't feeling very childlike when you're filled with the cares of this world, are you? And why do we think, I mean, when I was a little child, I couldn't wait to become an adult. I think the biggest reason is because I was filled with the cares of the world already. I mean, from a very young age, I was filled with taking thought for the care of my own life. At a very young age. And that's not my parents' fault, it's, it's my own fault. But I think what I realized is I didn't think any of the people around me knew anything about nothing. And I thought, these clowns are in charge of my life? And that's not a word about my parents. My parents are very wise. But when you're a little kid, you ain't trying to hear your parents tell you what to do. But like my teachers and my principals, I also didn't think they knew what was up. And so I was like, I got to hurry up and grow up because these people are destroying my life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like then we become old. We become older, right, the place we wanted to get, and then we see all the little kids that don't have a what? A care in the world. And we want to go back to being like that. Right? And so the, the parable of the sower sowing the seed, which will probably come up again through the course of this message, talks about how the cares of this world choke out the power of the word of life to produce the fruit of the Spirit in you. The cares of this world. It chokes it out. And so listen, man, there's a whole lot of things that you could care about right now, right? And unless you become as a little child, listen, man, you're not going to experience the, the fruit of the Spirit. You're not going to experience the peace and the love and the joy that you long for because the cares of this world are a big stumbling block to you living as a child. I'm thinking of, uh, what's the name of that movie? Uh, big, where Tom Hanks was a little child. And then becomes a grown-up, right? He becomes a big grown-up man. Well, for the first like few weeks that he's a grown-up, he's like just playing and having fun, right? He's just like playing games. He's still like a little kid. He's playing with his friend that's a little kid. But then his mind becomes filled with the cares of the world and his job and these relationships and all these things that he's got to do. And he starts wearing a big suit and he's all nice and he's all put together and he's all fixed and he's all being an adult now. Well, he no longer was living like a little child. He no longer had any time for childlike things. He no longer had any time to play with his friend. He no longer even wanted to see his friend. In fact, the whole his friend got so angry that he wouldn't see him anymore that his friend like wrote him off. And do you know the only way he could come back to being as a little child is he actually becomes a little child again. He experienced childlikeness by becoming a little child all over again. And so when the scriptures talk about the cares of this world, what do you guys think they're talking about? Where do you think those cares come from? Why do you think they're there? Do you think there's a bunch of cares in heaven? 
Do you think people up there are filled with cares? I love the story my dad tells about his father and his mother, that my, my grandfather was like such a perfectionist and wanted things to be done a certain way. And he had a volatile temper. And if they weren't done a certain way, my man would go, uh, I don't even think there's a human word that could describe what my man would do. But he would lose his mind. And so when he, when he passed away and went home to be with the Lord, he was a Marine and he was in the, uh, the Pacific, World War II. And so he was dropped down in the Pacific in the water to go siege the shore when he was 17, 17 years old. Anyway, when he passed and went home to be with the Lord, when he fell asleep in the Lord, me and his wife, my grandmother, my father's mother, she was left a bunch of his things, but his car was one of the things, and she wasn't taking care of the car the way Robert wanted the car to be taken care of. And so she was very stressed out about the care of the car and that surely it must be bothering Robert in heaven, right? Like, Robert's got to be very disappointed in how she's handling the car and managing the car. And, and so my dad asked her, you really think that, Mom? And she's like, well, sure. And, and so my dad tells her, listen, if Dad is caring about the car and how you're managing the car, I don't think he's in heaven. I think he's in hell. <laughs> and the whole point was, listen, man, he's, he's not filled with the cares of this world anymore if he's in heaven being with the Lord. And so where do the cares of this world come from? Why are they there? Why are we thinking about them all the time? And so the cares of the world are the cares that come along uh, with the life that is of this world, right? This life has, or this world, the world that Adam founded, when he planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the earth, when he planted death in the earth, this world brought forth a life. And the life this world brought forth is filled with many cares. There's a whole lot of cares that pertain to this, the life this world brought forth the, the world that Adam founded. And the reason why there's so many cares is because the life that has been fathered by this world, it's earthy. It's just dust. It can be corrupted by moth and rust. It, I mean, we say it all the time. It's a cliche. This, our, this life is fragile. And so listen, man. There's a whole lot to care about. There's a whole lot of cares that come along with the life like the one that this world has fathered. There's a whole lot of cares that come involved when you're busy thinking about the life that's been born from this world. Because it can be corrupted. It's subject to moth and rust. It's fragile. Life is short. I'm going to bring this up again probably, but you guys realize that that's something God would never say about his life. Life is fragile. Life is short. You guys think God would ever say life is too short? What type of cares do you think come from even the thought life is short? What type of worries? What type of anxieties? What type of cares do you think come from the thought of life is fragile? 
There's all types of cares that come along with the kind of life that has been born from this world that Adam founded. That's why it's called the cares of this world. Because when you're busy with the life that's perishable, when you're busy with the life that can be corrupted, listen, man, you're caring a whole lot about taking care of it. And all of your thoughts are built around trying to take care of it, trying to uphold it, trying to preserve it. And if you're trying to preserve your own life or you're trying to uphold your life, a life that's fragile, listen, man, many cares will come along that your mind will be filled with that are involved with you trying to protect that life. And if your mind is all the time filled with caring for your own life, you're not living as a little child, and that is choking out the word that God showed into the earth, which is called the word of life, it's choking out the power of the word of life God showed into the earth to produce its fruit in you. Because the word God showed into the earth is the word of a life that isn't fragile. It's the word of a life that isn't but dust. It isn't earthy. It hasn't been born from this world. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of fruit inside of that life. It's a life that doesn't need upkeep. Imagine a house that doesn't need upkeep. All of us are like, yeah. The kids of this world. Right? Imagine how nice it would be to have a house that didn't need upkeep. I mean, in fact, listen, we're getting our house painted now. We've been needing the house painted for like 15 years probably. I mean, the thing is falling to pieces and... Rocky's company is painting our house, glory to God, and they do a fantastic job. But a couple years ago, when we were researching getting the house painted, one of the people we looked into was this, was it called Rhino or something? Where they said they could paint the house and it would never need to be painted ever again. And listen, the only reason why that sounded attractive is because the house, they don't need upkeep. And you want to consider that kind of a thing, right? Because there's no cares with the house that doesn't need upkeep. You're not worried about the house. You're not thinking about what the house needs. You're not thinking about how to keep the house going. You're not thinking about retaining resale value. You're not thinking about wanting the house to be just as nice as it was when you bought it when you sell it. You're not worried about any of those things. You don't have those cares. Now imagine all the freedom and time you have to think about and do other things if you're not busy with the cares of the house. Now imagine what you might do and what the things you might think if you're not busy with the care of your own life. So going back to the disciples, because they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. I can just see Jesus like, what? 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 What are you guys busy with? So they're actually arguing about which one of them is going to be better than the other one. No, no, I'm better than you. No, 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 I'm going to be higher than you. You're going to serve me. Right? <laughs> That's what they're arguing about. And then they, listen, they're not even having that argument on the side thinking, hey, let's keep this argument from Jesus. Right? Let's just, we don't want him to know we're arguing about these kinds of things. No. They come to Jesus, wanting Jesus to tell them which one will serve the other one. You decide the matter. At least they knew enough to come to Jesus to decide the matter. And he did decide the matter. And, and maybe they didn't, he didn't decide it in the way they wanted him to, but he decided the matter, that's for sure, right? <laughs> and, and so the disciples' thoughts were filled with the care of their own lives. That's why they were arguing about that. 
their thoughts were filled with their life being exalted and how their life could be exalted and what would cause their life to be exalted. That's what their minds were filled with. And that's why they were thinking of how they can gain the best position in the kingdom. You're not wondering how you can gain the best position in the kingdom unless you're busy taking thought of caring for your own life. That's the only reason you're even thinking that way. And so they were jockeying for position. It's kind of like in the airports, right? When, when people swarm to get in line, <laughs> right? And you swarm to get in line first, you want to get, you know, pushing and shoving. You know, and you can even, they even make a whole lot of money off of people buying a spot in line. They want so badly to secure their spot in line, to secure their spot in the plane, that they're even paying to be able to get in line first. And if you haven't paid to get in line first, you're all swarming to be the first one in that part of the line. Even if you paid to be in line zone number one, you're swarming to be the first one in zone number one. And you're jockeying for position. Becky's like, that's you, bro. <laughs> Have you noticed that my, my, my friend is the other way? My friend is the other way. Have you noticed there's also some people that don't care at all when they get on a freaking plane? They don't care. They don't care what spot they have. They don't care what line they're in. They don't care when they get on the plane. They don't care at all. That's how my friend is. I mean, he, tell, he like runs up at the last second every time. And the gate's like almost being closed. And I'm thinking, doesn't that stress you out? And he's just like, la-da-da, la-da-da. <laughs> uh, and what's funny is at the time, I'm feeling stressed out for him. But he's not stressed out. Which one do you think is experiencing the kingdom of heaven? Him or me? Now I'm not even just thinking about caring for my own life. I'm thinking about, i got to care for this guy's life. The, the people who want the best spot. And guys, please understand, I think maybe I do a bad job of explaining myself and explaining these examples. These analogies are poverty-stricken, meaning they're not perfect. They're not apples to apples. They're not some overarching theme that proves true in every situation. It's just an example. So please allow me the poverty of my examples. The people who want the best spot, the reason they want the best spot is because they're taking thought to care for their own lives. Their mind is filled with what their life needs in order to be nurtured. And that's why they want the best spot. Well, Jesus comes along and says in Luke 9, which is talking about becoming his little children. He comes along in, in, in Luke 9 when he's deciding the matter, and he says, the least among you shall be the greatest. And then in Matthew 20, two chapters after Matthew 18, he says, the last shall be first. And he's still building on what he began talking about when he said, unless you become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. The last shall be first. In the context of him saying those things, it's connected to becoming as little children. And the least shall be the greatest. The least would be the one whose thoughts aren't filled with taking care of their own lives. It would be the one whose thoughts are filled with the, the, the care that God has taken over their life. The last. The last would be the one whose mind isn't filled with taking care of their own life, but their mind is filled with the thought that God took to care for their life. 
And the point that he's making is the one whose mind isn't filled with trying to be first, that one is going to be the greatest in the kingdom because their mind will be filled with what God has done to exalt them unto life. Right? If you're busy thinking about you need to be first, you're not thinking about how God exalted you unto life. You're thinking about how you're going to exalt yourself unto life. And he comes and says, the one whose mind isn't filled with exalting himself unto life, but sees the thought God has taken to exalt him unto life, they will be exalted unto life. And they will be the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus says, unless you be converted and become as little children. You know that word convert that he uses there? It means for your mind to be changed. And it doesn't just mean for your mind to be changed. It means for it to be changed back to something that it was before. To be changed back to something that it was before. It also, one of the meanings of that word convert, it also means to no longer think of someone. To no longer think of someone that you used to be thinking of a lot. Do you know who we all think of the most? Ourselves. <laughs> so Jesus comes and says, listen, unless you're no longer taking thought of caring for your own life, unless you become converted and changed back to thinking like you did when you were a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You'll not experience the kingdom of heaven. That's what he says to those guys, because they're all wanting to be greatest in the kingdom. You guys ain't even going to experience the kingdom of heaven. If your mind is filled with care, the care of your own life, you're not even going to get there. You won't even make it. So he says, unless your mind be converted back to the way your mind functioned when you were a little child, you won't experience the kingdom of heaven. So how is it that a little child thinks? How is it that a little child lives in the earth? Well, I think we, we kind of already talked about this a little bit, but a little child isn't filled with the cares of the world. The only way a little child is filled with the cares of the world is if the world came and told the little child they should be filled with it, right? One of the, one of the things, I don't, I don't like spending time talking about the world around me and how it's going bankrupt. One of the ways that this world, the world that's been founded by Adam, is bringing destruction is we are filling our little children with the cares of the world at a younger and younger and younger age. And guess what is in the cares of the world? Anxiety and fear. And so what we're doing is we're robbing the children from living free from carrying the burden of trying to bring forth life themselves. And we're filling them with the burden that unless they bring forth life themselves, we all going to die. They're filling their mind with the life that's perishable, the life that the world fathered when Adam brought death into the earth. And listen, there's going to be a whole slew of issue. I pray for the young kids every day, even more than the people in Afghanistan. And I don't find, it's not that I don't feel compassion for the people in, in Afghanistan, but to take these little kids that are going to first grade and second grade and kindergarten and to fill their minds with the cares that go along with the life that's perishable. It's child abuse is what it is. It's actually what Satan did to Adam. He filled his conscience with mortality. And he filled his conscience with mortality to get Adam to take upon himself the burden of bringing forth his own life. 
And so we've implemented the Satan mind, the mind of the serpent, the poison of asps. We've implemented it in the way we're dealing with our little children. And we're stealing from them their innocence. And we're leaving them a place where they're filled with all the cares that go along with trying to keep a life that's dying alive. We're trying to keep a world that's dying alive. That's a heavy yoke. That's a heavy burden. That will crush you. It crushes adults. And now you're taking little kids and you're filling them with that. Why? Because if we could fill it, if we can get it in them when they're young, by the time they get older, then they could save the planet. Oh, man. It is insanity. It is insanity. And so a little child isn't filled with the cares of the world. They aren't carrying the burden of bringing forth their own life. They aren't thinking like that. They aren't taking thought of their own life. Their thoughts aren't bogged down with their lives and the care their lives need to flourish. They're just enjoying life. Well, we might think, how does that happen? And I know I think too much. At least now God brought me to the place where I think with God. And so all the thinking that I'm doing is thinking with him. And so therefore, man, I, I have a lot of his thoughts. Hallelujah. Man, it was bad news when I was off by myself thinking. It's bad news for anyone when you're off by yourself thinking. <laughs> it's bad news for anyone. But something I realized about why is a child not filled with all these cares of their life? Why aren't they thinking like that? Well, something that I realized, something that's very interesting, is that little children have no consciousness of mortality. In fact, we come and say they don't have any fear. We got to be afraid for them because they ain't afraid. And so their conscience aren't filled. You guys know what mortality is, right? A life that can die. Death. Their conscience isn't filled with death. They're not thinking their life is fragile. They're not thinking that life is short. Those thoughts haven't been corrupted in their conscience yet. Their conscience hasn't been stained with that kind of thinking. And because of that, they have no fear. And their mind isn't filled with the care of their own life. They're not thinking like that. Do you know all the cares that, that of the world? They come from trying to perfect and uphold a life that's perishable. All the cares we have about the world, they're all born from us wanting to uphold a life that's perishable. It's all born from us trying to perfect the life in the world that's perishable. That's where all the cares we have come from. In fact, the only reason why we care is because we're taking thought of our own life and we care how, what happens to our life. That's why we care. Well, what if we didn't have to take thought of our life? What if, what if our life wasn't fragile? What if our life wasn't short? Would we still care? We might care. We might care a little bit differently, though. We might care a little bit differently. Little children dwell in innocence, free from the cares of the world. And the reason why is because they aren't aware of their mortality. They aren't aware that their life can be harmed. They aren't aware of danger. They're not aware that they could die. And that's why they're free from the cares of this world. It's like with nakedness. Little children, how many little children do you see care about putting clothes on themselves? 
Have you ever seen little children care about putting clothes on themselves? In fact, you know what they're thinking? Why the hell are you putting these clothes on me? It's like my one little dog. My one little dog, Liza Jane, she wants you to put stuff on her. Somehow she feels safe. So we put the Superman cape on her, and we go for a ride in the car with her head sticking out the window, and she's, ah, and the Superman cape is flying behind her. She's so happy. The other one, Eulalie, she don't want you to put nothing on her. We try putting the Superman cape on her, and she's, ah, get it off me. She can't stand it. So listen, guys, little children aren't aware of their nakedness. And so they don't see it as something needing to be taken care of. They're not aware of their mortality. So they don't see it as something needing to be taken care of. They don't see it as something that needs to be managed. So they don't have the cares. They're not filled with all the cares because of that. You know, something interesting is in the scriptures, nakedness in the scriptures is used symbolically to talk about mortality. When Adam saw his nakedness, what it means is, is he saw death in his body. He saw his body was perishing. His conscience became stained with his mortality. Paul said, we groan, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be clothed upon with the house that we have in heaven. Speaking of the body of Christ or the life of Christ. And so nakedness in the scriptures is talking about mortality. Being clothed is talking about your mortality being removed far from you. It speaks of the mortal putting on immortality. The person with mortal flesh putting on immortal flesh. You can live as little children even when you're an adult. You can live as little children even when you're adult. You're an adult. Now that doesn't mean the world won't won't try to steal your innocence. The world will try to steal your innocence. The world wants to steal your childhood. The world wants you to take up your own life. It wants to uncover your nakedness. It wants to fill your thoughts with the care of your own life. And the way it comes to fill your thoughts with the care of your own life is by filling your conscience with mortality. It's by filling your conscience with the life in this world that's perishable. That's how it does it. That's how it tries to compel you to take up your own life. That's why, like we said, that's why it has the cliches. Life is fragile. That's why life is short. The good die young. How many of you think Jesus didn't live a full life? Jesus was 33. What would we think if one of us passed away at 33? Too young. You see the thoughts that come from mortality, right? So in Matthew 18, when Jesus says, unless you become as little children, what he's getting at is unless your mind be turned away from carrying the burden of bringing forth your own life, you won't be able to experience the kingdom of heaven. You won't be filled with peace and love and joy. You won't be filled with patience and meekness. You won't be filled with those kinds of things. In fact, you'll be taken captive and you'll experience the opposite of those things. 
unless you're mine. This is what he's talking about. He says becoming a little children. You want to first remember, what is a little child? How do they think? So he wasn't just saying, you know, oh, yeah, become as a little child. There was significance behind that. And so he's saying, unless your mind be turned from the cares that come along with the life that is earthy and but dust and that can be impacted by moth and rust, unless your life be born from the thought that God has taken to care for your life, you shall not experience the kingdom of heaven. And let, God's taken thought for your life. He's taken thought to care for your life. He's left no stone unturned in caring for your life. And unless your mind be filled with the thought that God's taken to care for your life, you won't experience the kingdom of heaven because experiencing the kingdom of heaven is found in the care God has given to your life. And he has come to nurture your life. He has cared for your life exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. Those whose minds aren't filled with the care of their own life, those whose minds aren't taking thought of caring for their own life, those are the ones that experience the kingdom of heaven. Those, are, those shall be called the greatest. Those shall be called first. <laughs> right? Because they're not thinking about being the greatest. And neither are they thinking about being first. Their thoughts have been set free from that. Hmm. And just, just so there's no confusion, because I, I know when I was in Switzerland, Sometimes there's a culture uh, gap in terminology. When I talk about carrying the burden of caring for your own life, I'm not talking about things like grocery shopping or going to work or going to the gym. That's not what I'm talking about. So I'm not talking about, oh, this is, don't, don't hear this through the carnal mind like we're setting up some principle where we say it's evil if you think you want to go to the gym or it's evil if you're going to work or it's evil if you're going to gro shop for groceries because you're taking thought of your own life. Th th that's not what we're talking about here. When I talk about carrying the burden of bringing forth your own life, I'm talking about carrying the burden of bringing forth peace and love and joy. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living in this world, looking to the world around you and looking to your ability to shape the world around you to try and nurture yourself with peace and love and joy. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about carrying the burden of your own life. That's what I mean, right? Does that make any sense? So when Jesus tells the disciples they must be converted and become as little children, he isn't telling the disciples that they must make themselves little children. He's not... Listen, guys, go make yourself little children, and when you sort that out, then come back to me. That isn't what he's talking about there. So he hasn't left you to figure out how to become a little child, and he hasn't told you to bring it about yourself. And as we just discussed, a little child is not just a little child, but the reason they're able to be a little child is because someone else has taken thought for their life, right? Little Rocky, if she wasn't born into you guys already taking thought of how to care for her life and she found herself just sitting in the earth all alone, listen, man, she'd be filled with taking thought for her life and she wouldn't be as a little child anymore. She'd grow up real quick, right? Such as the saying, they grew up too fast, right? So a little child is only a little child because there's someone else there that's taken thought of caring for their life. Right. The moment they don't have that or the moment they don't see that as being present, they can no longer be a little child. The moment they must take thought for their own life, 
they're no longer living as a little child. Just like we said with Adam, Adam's innocence was stolen when his conscience was filled with his mortality. Immediately, he was filled with having to take care of his own life, right? And his mind was filled with the care of his own life the moment he saw his mortality, and that mortality told him that he didn't have someone that would care for his life, right? That's what he was filled with. So God doesn't come and tell you you must make yourself a little child. That's not how he does it. But he wants you to be able to live as little children. That's what he wants for your life, right? It, it makes him happy when, when he sees that for, for, for your life. It's like with, with, with parents. You hear the cliche all the time that they grew, my kids grew up too fast, right? You, you hear, you, I hear parents say all the time that they wish their kids were little again. The, the, the years flew by. Where did the years go? Um, Tiffany, your oldest just is a grown adult now. I'm sure as you're looking at her as a grown woman, you're like, she was just like this, you know? And so I, I kind of felt that when I was looking at your pictures. They become grown, and I mean, we're happy that they're grown, and we're happy for their life. But man, a lot of times, we, we want them to go back to being little kids. It's too serious now, especially during the teenage years, right? Can they just go back to where they loved me? And they wanted to hold my hand, and we just kissed, and they ran and jumped in my lap, and man, life was great before they started fighting with me about every single thing there is and everything under the sun. And so parents even have this thought where they want their child to become little, and they want their child to return to, the, to that place because it was so enjoyable. Well, God also has that same kind of a thinking where he desires for us to be able to live as little children. He, he, he thinks we grew up too fast. He, he sees that our innocence was stolen from us. He sees that we were confronted with something that filled our minds with caring for our own life. And he sees that's not a nice life. And so he doesn't want, he never intended for us to, to have our thoughts filled with the care of our own life. He always was filled with the thought of taking care of our life. And he's actually the only one that can give our lives the kind of care that it needs. We can't even care for our lives the way that our lives need to be cared for. We don't possess the ability to nurture ourselves with peace and love and joy. We don't possess the ability to care for our lives or this world the way it needs to be cared for. The only thing that can give our lives the kind of care that we need is an incorruptible life. That's the only thing that can give us the kind of care that we need. We're specific type of beings. We're human beings. We're specific types of creatures. We're in the image of God. And so what that means is, you know, just like a fish, it's a specific type of being. It needs certain care. If the fish doesn't get that kind of a care, its life is not going to flourish. If the fish ain't in the water, the fish is going to die. And it don't matter what you do to care for the fish, if the fish is outside of the water, the fish is going to die. We go fishing all the time, and we fill up ice chests full of water. And we throw the fish in there. Well, there ain't enough oxygen in that water even for those fish, even though they're in the water. And they still die. And so they need a certain kind of a care because they're a certain type of a being. Well, human beings are the same kind of a way. We're in the image of God. There's a certain kind of care that we need. And only a certain kind of care will do. We're the kind of beings that need to be nurtured with peace and love and joy and meekness and patience. Those are the kinds of things we need for our life to be cared for. Those things care for our life. And we don't need a fickle peace and a fickle joy. We need the kind of peace that passes understanding. 
I mean the kind of peace that confounds the wisdom of the world. The kind of peace that the world would say, there's no way you could have peace right now. But then we would still have peace. We're the kind of beings that need peace, even should everything around us tell us we shouldn't have peace. That's the kind of care we need. Kind of like Jesus up on the cross. Where he's nailed to the tree, and yet he has peace still. The peace that passes understanding. Why did he have peace that passed understanding? Because the Father was nurturing him. The Father was caring for his life. And Jesus' mind wasn't filled with taking thought for his own life. But his mind was filled with the thought that the Father had taken for his life. Jesus became as a little child on the cross. So the kind of care we need can only come from an incorruptible life. That's the only thing that can actually give us the care that we need. Right now, we're so caught up in mask or not mask, vaccine or no vaccine. Listen, man, none of those things have the care that your life needs wrapped up in them. And God would never come to you and tell you those kinds of things contain the ability to care for your life. That's the way the world sounds. The world comes to you and tells you about the life that can be harmed. You think God's coming to you and telling you about how your life can be harmed? If you're in him and he's in you, or you think he's telling you, fear not, I've overcome the world. And I'm in you and you're in me. Do you think the vaccine can hurt God? Why can't it hurt God? Because he's busy with an incorruptible life. Well, the only thing that will give you the care that you need is for you to see that he's come and poured out his incorruptible life onto you. You see? That's the only way. Right? That's the only way. So God also wants us to be able to live as little children. It grieves his heart that our minds are filled with all these different cares and all the different things that we're worried about. Because, you know, all those things that we're worried about, they're wrapped up in us taking thought of our own life and how are we going to care for our own life? And God sees it's a cursed life for you to be carrying the burden of your own life and bringing your own life forth. He sees it's a cursed life to be bearing the burden of trying to exalt yourself unto life. And he sees that he's taken thought to give you the care that you need. And he's actually the only one that can give you the care that you need because he's the only one who has an incorruptible life. And whatever you're busy with, thinking will give you the care that you need, if it's not an incorruptible life, it can't care for you. It can't. Now, you can still go off and do things that can't care for you. I went and ran four miles yesterday because I wanted to. And I like it. I think well when I go run. I hang out with God, right? But that running can't give me the kind of care that I need. It can't nurture me with an incorruptible peace and love and joy. Only God can. And unless I become as a little child, unless I, my thought be filled with the, the thought that he's taken to care for me, unless my mind be filled with the thought that he's taken to care for me, I will not experience his peace and his love and his joy. If my mind is filled with all the cares that come from trying to keep a life, the life that's in this world upheld and trying to perfect the life that's been born in this world, if my mind is filled with all those cares, that's going to choke out the word of God's life from producing its fruit in me. That's what it does. So God wants us to be his little children. But as we know with grace, 
If God wants us to be his little children, he's the one who takes it upon himself to make us his little children. Like we just said, a little child is a little child because their mind isn't filled with providing for themselves. Their mind is filled with someone else is providing for me. Someone else is filling me with the care that I need. Someone else is caring for my life. Therefore, I don't have to worry about caring for my life. My mind isn't filled with caring for my own life. My mind is filled with these guys who are caring for my life. Hallelujah. Right? So what God comes and does is he comes and makes himself known to you as father. That's what he comes to do. He wants you to, your innocence to be, come back. He wants your mind to be converted back to when you were a little child and you weren't thinking of caring for your own life. And the way that he does it is he comes to show you the thought that he's taken to give your life the care that it needs in the resurrection of Jesus. He sees your life needs to be cared for. He's the, he's the only one that actually knows what kind of care your life really needs. And he came and gave you the care that you needed when he raised Jesus from the dead. When he manifested himself inside of human flesh, he was revealing himself to you as father. And he was bringing forth the incorruptible life that is the only thing that could care for you the way that you need. It's the only thing that can give you a certainty. It's the only thing that can give you a peace and a love and a joy that isn't fickle, that isn't at the mercy of the world going on around it. It's the only kind of thing that can actually purge your conscience from the cares that are pertaining to the life of this world. It's the only thing that can purge your conscience from mortality. God comes to make you a little child by purging your conscience from the mortality that's in this world. He comes to make you as little children by purging your conscience from a life that's perishable. And the way he purges your conscience from a life that can die is by giving you his life, which is a life that can never die. And so our lives were suffering harm at the hands of death. And so we needed the kind of care where the harm that was coming to us from death could be overcome. And so he gave us the care that we need. He manifested himself as father. He put on our death and he swallowed it up from the inside out with his life. That's him caring for you. <laughs> you see that? The revelation that God is father will make you as a little child. And as you keep walking with God in that revelation, and you can only know God, knowing God as Father isn't, uh, well, God created all things. I mean, that's, that's true. It's not that that's a false statement. But the power to know God as your Father is to see that He's cared for your life in the resurrection of Jesus. And you see that He left no stone unturned in caring for your life. You see that He even rolled away the tombstone that was locking you in the grave. That's the kind of care that you needed. We were all in the grave, and there was a gigantic tombstone. It isn't just that Jesus was in the grave, and there was a tombstone in front of his grave. That was our grave. And there was a big tombstone that no one could roll away. None of the soldiers could roll away that tombstone. None of the soldiers could move that tombstone. And God come and gave us the care that we needed. He rolled away even the tombstone. He didn't leave any stone unturned in caring for our lives. He wanted to make us as little children. He wanted us to go back to the place where we weren't taking thought of caring for our own life, but our minds were filled with the thought he took to care for us. Hallelujah. That's what the gospel come to do. Make you as little children. You know what the world come to do? Make you grow up real fast. 
You know how the world tries to do that to you? To fill your mind with mortality. You know how God come to make you a little children? Fill your mind with immortality. <laughs> well, you will no longer have a conscience of mortality. But your only conscience is a life that cannot die. Now you're living like little children again. And people think you're crazy. People think you're crazy. <laughs> I hope some of this makes some sense. <laughs> Just so you, you don't get confused by thinking that I'm crazy. If it doesn't make sense to you, it's because you're thinking with the carnal mind. Don't let that confuse you and make you think that I'm wrong. I'm joking. <laughs> Amen. What did Paul say? And if I be beside myself, we are beside ourselves because of the love of God in conquering our death. <laughs> right? Mm. I paraphrase there. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Listen, those verses are understood in the last part of the verses that says, for he careth for you. You know, when it says casting all your cares upon God, it isn't talking about, well, I'm going to go talk with God about all the things that I'm very worried about in this world that I want to see happen. And now he's going to fix them for me. That's not what casting your cares upon God is actually talking about. Now, listen, you can also talk with God about all the things that you're worried about, Right? He, you can talk with him about those things. And he might say something back to you like, Martha, 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 you were worried about many things. <laughs> In all love, <laughs> there's stubborn people like me, stiff-necked people like me that, that got to be shot between the eyes before I, I comprehend. Bling. Oh, Lord. <laughs> What casting your cares upon God is actually talking about is the dynamic where you're no longer carrying the burden of caring for your own life because you see the care he's taken for your life. It's for your conscience to have been purged from taking thought to care for your own life because you see the care that he's taken for your life. That's the primary uh, interpretation of the verse there. It's where your mind is so filled with the care God has taken to exalt you to life that you're no longer thinking of what you need to be exalted. And that's why the verse begins with, humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord and he will exalt you in due time. What does it mean to humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord? The way that, just like Jesus, remember Jesus said with the little child, humble yourself, become as a little child. What he's talking about there is the same kind of thing. James, Peter and James both say that. And what they're talking about is your mind no longer being filled with taking care of your own life and what you need to be exalted because your mind has become filled with what God has done to exalt your life. Your mind has become filled with the thought God has taken for your life. And so the cares that you had where you were all the time trying to uphold your own life, you were all the time busy with death management, you were all the time trying to bring life to the, to, to the world's life that's dying, where you're all the time cared and filled with cares about that, you're no longer filled with those cares anymore because you see god has taken thought to care for your life all your care everything you're thinking about brothers and sisters you know the root of everything you think about is because you want an incorruptible life 
And you want peace and love and joy. And you want it and you want it now. I used to get angry with God when I thought I knew what I needed to have peace and love and joy. And then I didn't get it. I was like a little baby throwing a temper tantrum. But now I see that God has cared for my life. And I see the care he's taken for my life. And I actually see how that satisfies everything I was caring about. So I see that God has actually taken the care for my life that I was always wanting. Guess what that's done to me? It's lifted all the cares off of me. I'm no longer filled with the care of my own life because this guy has cared for me. Now, my daily bread isn't everything my life needs so it can be preserved and cared for. My mind is filled with everything God did to give me the life that I need. <laughs> you see? This is a big difference. This is a big difference. When you're taking thought for your life, what you're wanting is an incorruptible life. You're wanting a life that can't be touched by death or weakness. That's why you're taking thought of your life. That's what you're wanting. You want to be filled with peace and love and joy and meekness and patience. Something in you tells you it's not right if you don't have those things. Well, that's why. And so now you see that God has come to give you those things. Glory to God. Hebrews 8.10. You know, God's heart is actually consumed with nurturing your life. Like, God doesn't think of his own life. He thinks about your life. And he's actually consumed with caring for your life. He's actually consumed with nurturing your life. I don't want to say it this way, but he's like OCD about your life. I'll say that way as a bad earthly example. Again, allow me the poverty of my analogies. Obviously, God isn't OCD. Okay? <laughs> he's G-O-D. Yes. Yes, he's G-O-D. <laughs> Thank you, Shelly. It? It, it takes a tribe. It, it takes a tribe to, for Greg to preach. Yes, it does. It does. It takes all of us coming together for Greg to preach. Hallelujah. He's obsessed with giving you the care that your life needs. He sees he's the only one that can give you the care that you need. He's obsessed with you wanting to be as a little child again. He's consumed with you living that way. He knows that's the life of your design. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 says, and these last three messages kind of go along together. It says, this God, it quotes God is talking, and God says, I will write my laws on their hearts and in their minds, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Now, the context there is how God will come and cause people to live as if they're his people. And the way that he does it is by showing himself as their God. And if you look at the context there, the way he says he'll do it is that he'll do a work. He'll provide a lamb that will cleanse them from death or sanctify them from death or remove death from them as far as the east is from the west, and serve them with his indestructible life. And when they see him do that work, he'll be Johnny on the scene, right? Meaning they'll see 
We're not a people that are left alone and don't have a God. But we have a God. And the way they see He's their God is they see that He's cared for them in the exact specific way that they need their lives to be cared for. That's what it says there. So what he says is, I will write the work that I've done. When it says, I will write my laws on your heart. The law that he's talking about is the Lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. And so what he's saying there is, I will write the work that I've done to care for their life in their hearts and their minds. I will write the work that I've done to sanctify them from death and serve them with an indestructible life. I will write that work in their hearts and in their minds, and that will cause them to see that I am their God. That will cause them to see that I have provided them with what their lives need, and they will then live as my people. Jeremiah would come and say, God talks in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord. He's thinking of our life. And Jeremiah is saying that God is thinking about our life, and he's thinking about caring for our life. And when he thinks about caring for our life, the thoughts that he has are filled with shalom, wholeness, peace. They're filled with him caring for our lives in such a way that they're made whole to the degree that they can't ever be broken. They're filled with so much peace that they can never be tormented. Jeremiah's talking about that. So connected that back with Hebrews chapter 8. God knows the thought that he's taken to care for your life. He knows the thought. And what he's going to do, what he did in pouring out the Holy Spirit, is he did a work to care for your life. And he knows that he's taken thought to care for your life. But he wants you to know the thought that he's taken to care for your life. So he poured out the Holy Spirit that's filled with the work that he's done to care for your life and the resurrection of Jesus. And through that Holy Spirit, he will write on your hearts and on your minds the thought he's taken to care for your life. God's, I will persuade them. There's no stone left unturned. There's no stone I haven't turned over in caring for their life. And in me writing what I've done to take thought to care for their life on their hearts, they can see that I am Father and they will be able to live as little children. And if you find you struggle with that, tell God. Be honest with God. Listen, man, I believe you've actually taken care of my life and that there's no more care that's needed for my life. I struggle to walk that out. Tell him. That's a beautiful freaking prayer. Tell him I struggle not to feel anxious about this and that. I struggle not to be worried about this and that. I struggle with the cares that pertain to this, the life that's of this world. Just be, if that's where you're at, begin there. Don't try to think, well, there's something wrong with me if I have all these cares. It's not a condemning word that there's something wrong with you. It just means you need time with Abba. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're a bad little boy or girl. God doesn't despise you if that's where you're at. He's taken it upon himself to set you free from the cares of the world. He knows the thought he's taken to care for your life. And it's his good pleasure to show it to you and to write that on your heart. Great is the mystery of godliness. Just to wrap this all together, all this up together. Godliness is found in becoming as a little child. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, Paul says. God made himself manifest in the flesh, and in making himself manifest in the flesh, 
He made the thought he's taken to care for your life manifest. If your life needs to be cared for, what do you think about this? Go ahead. Turn it around. Examine it. Look over it every which way. Can't, it's a life that can't be touched by death or weakness. Look at it. Taste it. The body of Jesus' resurrection. That's God manifesting in your midst the thought He's taken to care for your life. He cares for you. Oh, He cares for you. And He sees the only thing that can give you the kind of care that you need isn't found in the circumstances in the world. He sees that the life that's of the world is the problem. And so the only thing that can give you the care that you need is to have the work that he's done to give you an immortal life written on your heart. And then you start living free from the cares of this world. And you start living as a little child. That's how he restores your innocence. He purges your conscience from mortality. Hebrews would come and say that the blood of the Lamb purges our conscience from sin. The wages of sin is death. And so the blood of the Lamb, they, the, the, the Hebrews, Hebrews also talks about being sanctified from sin. What it's talking about is being sanctified from the body of death. He came as a Lamb to deal with sin. How do you deal with sin? You remove death. That's how you deal with sin. You remove death. And so God came and sanctified us from death. He set us free from death. He cleansed us from death. He purged our conscience from death. That's how he come to restore our innocence. He removes mortality from your thinking. <laughs> oh, man. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. <laughs> take no... I love these verses. I didn't love these verses as I first read them. Here's the thing for you guys. In knowing what we know about Father, when we read verses that we think sound hard, are like, what? Because we know what we know about Father now, let us realize it's not telling us what we should do, but it's talking to us about the fruit of God's life. And if it doesn't make sense to us, let us tell God. We don't know how that looks. I don't understand how that happens. That's a great place to tell God. I remember I'll tell Gary all the time. From the time that we were talking about Jesus, uh, Psalm 23, still talking about Jesus on the cross. And from the time Gary brought that up, obviously it made sense to me intellectually. And I, oh yeah, that's true. And it fits with all the doctrine I'd been preaching. But I went home and told God that don't make no sense to me. How a guy who's nailed to a cross said, I lack nothing. How a guy that was nailed to the cross said, you lead me beside the still waters of grace. You maketh me to lie down in the tender green grass. I don't know how a guy who's nailed to the cross says, my cup runneth over. So if you don't know how to not, not take thought for your own life, tell God. I don't know how to not take thought for my life. He doesn't despise you. Tell him. Matthew 6.25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Yeah, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Um, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly fodder feedeth them. Fodder. <laughs> fodder. 
Um, are ye not much better than they? Which of, which, listen to this part. You know, the only reason why we take thought of our life is because we think we can add stature to our life. Why do you think the disciples were busy arguing about who would be the greatest? Because they thought being the greatest, that could add stature to their life. Look what Jesus says now. Which of you taking thought of your life can add one cubit to his stature? Which of you can gain life unto yourself by taking thought of your life? Which of you can be exalted unto life by caring about your own life? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of those. Listen, man, according, let's just come together for a moment with our worldly carnal thinking. Solomon had a whole lot of glory as it pertains to the life in the world. My man had all of the riches of the world. Not some, not part, all of it. Everything. And Jesus comes and says that he was not arrayed like one of the lilies of the field. <laughs> uh, wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Clothe you with an immortal life. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. Real quick to finish up with this. This manifested in Jesus on the cross. Jesus sought the kingdom of God by seeking the Father's righteousness towards Him. He saw the thoughts that the Father had for Him in His life, and He saw they were filled with goodness, that they were dripping with sweetness, that it was a sweet nectar for Him. And so when Jesus was on the cross, He didn't take thought for His own life. He, his heart and His mind were filled with the care the Father took for His life. He thought these exact things that he was teaching there in Matthew 6. He saw the glory and the riches of the world. He saw the care he could have by using his ability to perfect his own life. But he didn't take thought of his life. His mind wasn't filled with the cares of the world, the cares that pertain to preserving your life in this world, because he saw the thought that God had taken, that the Father had taken to care for his life. He saw the Father loved him. He saw the Father would sanctify him from the body of death that was uncovered on the cross. He saw the Father would glorify his mortal body with immortality. He saw all those things that he was just teaching. I'm not going to seek to be clothed upon like the first Adam did because I see that the Father's thoughts are consumed with clothing upon me. And so his heart and his mind wandered to the thoughts the Father took to care for His life when He was on the cross. They didn't, he wasn't toiling and spinning, thinking of all the things He needed to care for His own life on the cross. In fact, the world came to Him with a bunch of the cares because there He is on the cross. Listen, man, the flesh does not like to be nailed to a tree. I don't even like getting a cramp in my calf. The flesh does not like being nailed to the tree. 
And they came to him with a sponge that was filled with myrrh and hyssop to dull the pain. And you know, the life that's perishable and of this world, that's the kind of thing that it needs. But Jesus was not taking thought of how he could preserve the life that was of the world. He was not taking thought to care for his life as he was feeling that pain. His mind was filled with the care the Father took for him, and that comforted him. It actually comforted his dying flesh in the midst of the pain that he felt. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Tell them that their warfare is accomplished. Jesus saw that the death that was warring against him, that the Father had taken thought to war against that death. And that he would be raised up from that death, never to be able to be touched by death again. Mm. Je- Jesus saw, it's like when you, when you get a revelation of how much thought the Father's taken for your life, how much thought he's taken to care for your life, there's no more room for you left to care for your own life. Like, there's, he cares for your life so much that he, he chews up all the room. There, there's no more space anywhere for you to be able to, to care for your own life. And so Jesus saw the Father, took such careful thought for his life, that there was no room left for him to need to take care of his own life. And that kept him from the cares of this world, choking out the word the Father sowed into his life. Because he needed his life to be cared for when he was on the cross, didn't he? You think the world wasn't coming to him with all the cares? of what were needed for his life? His heart was kept from those cares because he saw the Father cares for me. And he saw the thought the Father took to care for him. And he saw that's the only thing that can actually care for my life. That's the only thing that can nurture me with peace and love and joy. That concoction you brought me, eh, maybe it'd be fun to take a shot over there with my friends, but no, no, no. That can't give me the comfort that I want. Right? That's becoming as a little child. Jesus was a little child on the cross. His conscience was purged from the mortality he saw there manifesting. His conscience was filled with an incorruptible life. And so becoming as a little child is something that happens to you when you see God manifested himself in the resurrection to bring forth your life from an incorruptible seed. And in him bringing forth your life from an incorruptible seed, he has given you the care that you need. You'll be made as a little child when you see God has begat you again. He has begat your life again from above. So in the same way that unless your mind go back to thinking as you thought when you were a little child, unless you be born again, Right? And born again isn't in the traditional sense of spirit, soul, and body. Born again is unless your life be born from above, unless your life be born from the work God's done to care for your life and to sever death from you and to serve you with an indestructible life, unless your life be born from that work, you will not be able to live as a little child. Glory to God. Glory to God. He's abolished death to purge your conscience from mortality and that is what sets you free to live as a little child thank you jesus thank you father that uh you're the lover of our lives thank you that um you make yourself manifest to all of us as father that you give us all a revelation 
of the care that you've taken for our lives, that you uh, grab us by the hand and lead us to the place where we're, we live as little children. Thank you, Father, that you purge our conscience from the death that's in this world and that you fill our conscience with your incorruptible life, the incorruptible seed that you've planted in us that is Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Glory to God. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Have a very blessed day.